Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. It is Tuesday night, May 22nd. Gus and I back together. Gus, we got a few things to talk about here in late May, don't we? It seems like there's more to talk about in May than I could remember in years past. But yeah, I think we have a couple of topics that we need to talk over with the people here. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning into the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. We're very thankful. Thank you for tuning into the YouTube channel and checking out our, our draft preview videos. And we're happy that you are, you know, enjoying the off season with the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. So thanks for giving us some time during your week and, uh, you know, helping us uh, find the pathway to the uh, NBA draft on June 21st. We got some talking to do. We have a lot of things going on. Gus just mentioned the YouTube channel. Just want to say thank you to everyone. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got over 8,000 views. We've only been doing this for a few weeks. Gus goes down in the dungeon like Grandpa Al there at the <laughs> Munsters and right, comes right. up with these comparables. Unbelievable job. But listen, please subscribe if you like him. Make a comment. If you hate him, hit the thumbs down. Full disclosure, but we prefer the thumbs up. Thank you so much for of that. Of course. But uh, but we have a lot to talk about, folks, because college basketball now, I was just discussing this with Gus off the, the record button here, it really is coming on partner like the NFL. It's becoming a full year. The combine is becoming bigger. People declaring, are they signing with agents? Even the FBI fog, which is negative, has elongated the news story sure has, yeah. of college basketball, right? And, and we got some things to talk about. So it's interesting because when, you know, we were talking like, you know, quote unquote off wax uh, about what we what our talking points were going to be for you guys for this upcoming podcast. A, a lot of it kind of strayed into, well, you know, the NFL offseason has all of these events like kind of lined up and stationed as, um, you know, buoys for you to get to or, you know, to swim to for your next like football fix. And it feels like that the NBA is kind of headed into the same waters. Yes. With all of their, you know, potential offseason moves. I mean, the last just think of the last couple of free agent offseason uh, bonanzas. Like when that twelve o'clock hit. I mean, the, how how much coverage did the Kevin Durant meeting out in the Hamptons get? Like it, it was yep. like immediate. Yeah, well done. That's good memory. And, and it seems like with the combine, people declaring signing with agents, not signing with agents, uh, having deadlines in place, so there's like hard decisions yes, that need to be made yes, on these things. Yeah. It just seems like the, the, the NBA slash basketball timeline is also extending further and further and uh, gives you more things to look forward to and latch on to. And I hope, folks, that you're enjoying this. I know there's some college basketball podcasts that just do the college basketball. We see a crossover. Gus and I are also big M NBA fans. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're going to tweet about it. we got the Rockets battling the Warriors right now. Warriors up three here late in the fourth. So we're going to cross over, and we think it's relevant. So we're going to do a little bit of talk here about college basketball, then we'll get into the combine, because these are players that we, we knew, we loved, we were breathing and living and dying with them this year. So I think it's relevant to get into that, and that's why we're doing the YouTube channel as well. Yeah, and to be honest, we're just being kind of selfish here because this is the thing that we've kind of we've anchored ourselves on as far as basketball interest in years past, like, you know, pre-podcast and 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 so on and so on. If you've invested so much like a whole season for, you know, the one and dones or maybe in Chandler Hutchinson's case, uh maybe four seasons. If you've invested that much time, why don't you just want to see them through that last little step? Yep. So you can see them get their professional opportunity. We like carrying them through that last step. And then once they get to the NBA and they're off and running and they get to summer camps, 
then we'll dive back in full full bore with the college game. But I think it's important to see these uh, college players through that we've invested so much time and so much interest in over the past couple of seasons. Plus, let's be honest, folks. Again, Gus, much nicer than myself. I just want to beat my chest about Dante DiVincenzo. Oh, but we'll get to- like you on this, man. <laughs> oh, man. Look, look we- I, was not, I, didn't, I didn't buy in initially. <laughs> man, you nailed that. Sometimes the eye test works, right, partner? And this one, it, it, it did. Really goes back to that tip and layup against Virginia last year. That's really where it all started. It really, oh. For real, it really does. And I used to hate him. I used to Italian point guards, right? I used to make oh. fun of him. Well, uh, Clay Thompson, by the way, who's in a nail-biter here with the Rockets. Okay, let's start with the ACC coaches meeting because, of course, okay. Gus, I guess the ACC coaches meeting down in Amelia Island in Florida is more important than any other coaches meeting in the conference. So they make recommendations, right? And it's like E.F. Hutton. But they had uh, several, Gus, recommendations here. So uh, let me give you a rundown, and then I want to pick your brain on each one, okay? Yeah, yeah, let, yeah let's do this. This will this, be fun. They have recommended, okay, like like Moses on the Mount here. Okay, they've recommended – I recommend that Coach K actually makes a Final Four with the top three uh, recruits in the country, but maybe that recommendation didn't make the papers. <laughs> where, where, where are you at this meeting? Yeah, I would – they would Then you can't make that Two seconds. I, I mean, I was in Disney a little while ago. Maybe I could have hung around there, but – uh, expanding the NCAA tournament partner from uh, 68 to 72 mm. teams, okay. pu- pushing back the three-point line a little further. That goes part and parcel with widening the lane, right, mm. for more motion. So they're talking about that because you can't really widen the lane and not push back the three-point line, right? Shot clock reset to 20 seconds on offensive rebounds instead of 30 seconds. Good luck to the timekeeper on that. And they did say, Gus, that they're not in favor of something. They don't want to go to quarters like they did in the NIT this year in the postseason sure. tournament. They want to stay with halves. So let's go one by one, partner. You give your thoughts and I'll jump in. Expanding the tournament from the 68 teams to 72. Personally, I have a couple things here. Number one, humorously, uh, do you think Coach Behan was like the, of the, course. the oh, head speaker gosh, on this one particular oh, come topic? On. transparent as a window. Come on. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that guy prays to get in every year. Like the <laughs> yes, past three years. yes. And then, you know, course. makes his magical run to the Sweet 16 right. and pulls an upset. Of course. So, like, why not give me, like, you know, four more chances to get in and make this happen again? Like, that, like that's what I think there. Uh, Gus, it's like when we went on my first date, blind date with my wife, and we happened to go to a bar, and I said, oh, I'll have TVs oh. here because J.J. Reddick's banging threes in Madison Square Garden. I mean, come on, just be real. <laughs> the Syracuse corollary will call it. The Syracuse corollary. So, but let, let's talk about it like realistically and uh, logistically, uh, not humorously. The tournament already owns, you know, uh, right around St. Patrick's Day. Like they already own that sports real estate, right? Like there, there's not anything that's going to infringe upon that. If you add like additional teams, it's just going to elongate that ownership and almost 100% certainty involve one of the most heavily imbibing holidays in the world, you know. So I think they're trying to ensure that. But also, like, how much of the week are you willing to give up? Like, just speaking personally from us as uh, college basketball vagabonds and, and podcasters that you guys allow in your earbuds and headphones and speakers, adding another element or another layer to that first four or whatever the lead-in is going to be or whatever the framework might be with the 72-team field, how much further do you want to stretch it out? It's already awesome. It's already perfect. I mean, some people will even complain that like we don't really need the first four, although I really enjoy those those two games back-to-back on, on – uh, on a Wednesday and Thursday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, I think they're amazing. I think it's a great lead-in. Are you going to take the magic away from that now? And then are we going to push it back a little bit more? Or are you just going to jam them in there 
and hell be damned with uh, whatever happens with viewership romantically with those first four games and then your initial tip off on that Thursday around noon. I think they're compromising a couple of things that people are really in love with. And to be honest, I don't think it's necessary. I think the number where it's at now is perfect. I don't think they need to go any further. And if they need to go in either direction, I think retraction is the proper direction to keep the romantic view of the tournament alive. Yeah, you know, Gus, I thought about this one for a long time before coming mm-hmm. to a conclusion, and I have one. I, I'm fine with it. I I am very sensitive to what I think you referred to, where the tournament expands and it becomes diluted, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there is a point where it's diminishing returns. A little, little bit, a little bit. I, and, I, and I know that the, the impetus for this is the Syracuse Carlari. I, I'm well aware of that, full disclosure. Ha, ha, has. Um, I, I do like the fact that every year since they've done this, I think it's 2011, Somebody from the playing game has gotten super hot. Okay. I kind of like that. I, I like that idea. I also think, partner, that it's a little unfair that two of the brackets have to deal with teams from these initial games. Playing, and two, playing the quote-unquote hot team. Right. And two brackets get, you know, so if you don't have the playing game in your bracket, you don't have to worry about this. So I'm I'm fine with it. I, I know that, you know, Parrish and Norlander, I heard them today, they're adamantly against it. But I, I do like having one in each bracket because I think that – and listen, I'm not talking about the 16th. Some competitive balance maybe. Right. Like why should just two of the six seeds have to face the 11 hot seed, right? Why shouldn't hmm. every six seed have to deal with that? Like, whoa, Gus, we're not in the east bracket. We don't have to – you know. I, how, about, I, how, how, about, how about this? How about this? Is it really a six seed then? Right. So maybe you don't play to these six. How about that? Maybe you play to – you know what I mean? Hmm. I, I get it. I, yeah, that- I'm fine with four more. That's where I'm at. But I also okay. recognize that it can get out of control, but I, I am fine with four more. I, I, I That one I'm okay with, but I get what you're saying. I do. I, I really do. Yeah. I think it's fair. I, look, if it happens, like, am I going to be heartbroken over it and, like, you know, protest? No, I, I, I of course not. I'll, I'll watch the additional games that are going to, you know, be a result of this decision. But um, I, I don't think it's going to get much traction, and I think it definitely would benefit. How about this? I'm on board with it. If they split it, so if we have four extra teams, how about I, I don't know how you would do this. You're going to take okay, let's take the two best, you know, power five or power six teams, and then we're going to take the two best uh, mid majors, whoever they might be. Sure. Instead I, I, I'm of with this, you. yeah, yeah, is yeah. That, is that fair? Is that okay? I'll go a step further, partner. How about this? We're always clamoring, and I, I'm big in this. I think you support me on this. Don't dominate. Don't punish the teams that dominate the regular season and get mm. knocked out in the tournament. How about mm. saving two of those spots for those specific situations, for your middle Tennessee states? Somebody How about like for your that. Vermont. For your Vermont. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. That's it. That's it. So, so like give, save those spots, something like that. It's workable, man, is what I'm saying. I'm not going to yeah. go nuts and like, like protest. Like an undefeated in-conference season. And yes, you don't win yes, yes, yes. That's it. That? Like Vermont. Vermont should be in. You know why? Because they ended right. up. And, and I went back on our old podcast. We talked about how this, I was adamant. This was the year 16 is going to be to one. Right, church, wrong pew, right? Okay, Correct. but yes. th- that was the reason is they get hot and you, you never know what can happen. And uh, UMBC wasn't in the playing game, but I'm just saying, I think that there's an avenue here and I'd be fine with it. Yeah, I, I like the idea of having competitive balance uh, between all four of the brackets. I think that part makes sense and is fair and reasonable. And I also think that if there was a way to incorporate what you mentioned, rewarding the... I don't know. How about unlucky? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like mid-major like team like that dominates their conference and then gets a bad bounce or 
plays a super hot team or loses on a last second shot in their conference tournament and doesn't make it as NIT bound, they still have a chance to get in. I think that makes sense. I don't know how you would, I don't know the jurisdiction on that. I don't know how you would possibly navigate that, but I think, I think there, I think there's options there. I think I, I like, I kind of like that idea now. Okay. And, and people it, let's, let's pipe down with the, you know, okay, we're going from 68 to 72. They're not going from 68 to 90. Okay. Right, so, right. so, so I, we, we've liked the first four. I know attendance has been low, but the team's always gotten hot. Okay. So all of us who are sure. bracket junkies, we know that team's getting hot, and this year it happened to be Syracuse, the one that know, you and I both did not think deserved to be no, in, but no. I thought would be in because, you know, the, the team. And, and, and then they go ahead and, you know, on fire. Tyus Battle on for Bayheim shrugging his shoulders. We got a dome. Okay. Uh, next one, partner. I'll put them both together. You react. How about widening the lane and mm-hmm. with that, pushing back the three point line? Okay. I think if the, this is something that will gain traction, here's, I think, the geometry that they probably should use. They should definitely go trapezoid and take the international lane. And I also think that they should not push it all the way out to the NBA three-point line because then I think that will, I mean, unless you're Trey Young, I think that's really forcing the hand on three-point shooting and that would take away some of the beauty of the game. And, and so then where's just, the NBA line going, right? Then the NBA line's got to go back probably more yeah, than likely. I mean, <laughs> maybe just take it to the international line. Yeah, How about, sure, sure. Yeah. Does that sound okay? Yeah, sure. That way the spacing on the floor can remain consistent. Um, you'll still have uh, post-up opportunities with the trapezoid-sized mm-hmm. lane. Sure. Um, and David, David Blatt is smiling somewhere right now. David Blatt yeah, is smiling. Yeah, you still have proper floor spacing with the additional, um, I don't know, about uh, almost about a foot on the three-point line. So that would make sense. I'm okay with that. I think that makes sense. And, you know, people are taking bombs anyway from like 25 feet. So why? What, what's the matter? What's it going to change if you push it back a foot? Totally agree. The The game didn't end when they made the three-point line. Uh, the, the, the death was greatly exaggerated. Everybody hated it. If they moved it back, it's fine. Everyone will adjust. College basketball is Teflon. It's going to adjust and it's going to be fine. I agree with both of those. I'm going to move to the next one. This one I'm a little okay. iffy on. Shot clock reset to 20 seconds on offensive rebounds. Hmm. Uh, I, I agree with your initial statement. I think like timekeepers everywhere would go crazy. There's a guy there with like a buzzer, right? Like a Jeopardy buzzer. Like how is he? <laughs> We're already like up in arms about how many times they're going to the like the sideline. <laughs> right, for, right, for right, right, right. This is just going to add to that tally. Like, of course. Um, I here's what I'm going to say about it. It's a comp. It's a nice compromise to getting the shot clock a little quicker. Like, I know they want to even. I know there was talk of even taking it to like under 30 seconds. Yep. So I think it's a good compromise. How's that? I, I don't think they need to move the, I guess you can move it to 28 seconds or 27 seconds. I, I guess that's fine. But having it at 30, I think was a big step. And I also think, how about you can take the eight second rule, bring the ball up. I, oh, think, okay. that would, okay. I think that would also help. Okay. okay. So I think that's in the same jurors. I think that's in the same like ballpark as far as speeding up the game and maybe creating a couple of more possessions in each game. So I think if you add those two together, I bet that would create – I'm just doing the math off the top of my head here. Sure. I bet that would create at least six more possessions yeah, yeah, for yeah. each team each game and then up the scoring even for Wisconsin. I, I, yeah. So, I mean like, – so I, I'm okay with that. I think uh, I think they should look at other, uh, other little tidbits and other little tricks that they could do like the eight-second rule as well. By the way, Romeo Langford, 10 years from now, Eric Gordon just hit a three. Uh, Rockets, 94. Golden State, 89. Minute 40 left. Just update there. Live update here in studio. Yes, I, I agree with what you're saying. I'm sure there's a way they can do it with the rim. I, I agree. I don't want stoppages of play. I, you know, we, we certainly know that annoys both of us. So, right, right, so right. if they can do the 20-second thing, I like it. I just do, do, not stop, do not stop the game. Do not stop the game unless it is a massively critical 
game-changing Bronson Koenig from the corner against, was that Xavier? A couple of years ago. Uh, who, yeah, yeah, very the, good. Very good from the, the corner, yes. You can review that wait, wait, one. Uh, I think along the Xavier bench. Yeah, I, yes, I'm right. fine with reviewing that one. Do not review the ball out of bounds at the five-minute mark of the first half. I can't take it. Do not, just do not do that, okay? Oh, they, for real, I think they need challenge flags or something. <laughs> right, challenge right? flags, very good. Oh, yeah, they, they need something along those lines. And in instead of having all of these stoppages, just like muddle the game up and, and slow it down and take the flow out of it, um, and just annoy viewers everywhere. And don't get one of Fran Dunphy. He's enough trouble with water bottles. All right. Uh, Gus, that's the... <laughs> Tremendous stuff. It's very nice. Fran uh, uh, Dunphy water bottles. There's the name of the pod. Okay. Fran so, <laughs> Duffy challenge flag. There you go. That's it. Okay. So now let's go to the combine, Gus, in Chicago. Rapid fire here. We're very invested in this. This is yeah. one of, uh, you know, just personally for Mike and I, this is one of our most favorite times of the year. Um, as much as we, you know, go through a, a mini withdrawal after the tournament, and kind of go into our like college basketball holes and and yearn and want for the, the sport that we love to come back. There is the combine and there is the NBA playoffs to look forward to. And I think I think there's connectors here. I think there's things that we can pay attention to in the current NBA playoffs that actually uh, will, I don't know, be forecasters uh, from the combine that maybe we can pay attention to and then can direct like, our NBA mock draft, if lack of a better term. I think we need to pay attention to the trends in the NBA because that's the way that NBA teams are going to be drafting. And, and they're going to be drafting the players that we paid such close attention to this past season. And we can just apply that knowledge and, you know, play the guessing game. And it's a fun guessing game to play. And I, I, I'll start with this. I, do you, There's a lot of heat coming into the combine. Oh, it doesn't matter. Was it really matter? I think it kind of matters, Gus. I, I mean, I, I think there are people. I mean, this hmm. year it looks like Donovan Mitchell is Josh Okoji, right? Uh, so I, I think so, so, it, something along those lines. That's a, that's I like that equation. Right. Yeah. I, I do think it matters, right, partner? I don't think it's a nerd fest. I mean, we love nerd fest. We love the stats, but I, yeah. I don't. I think it's underrated. I think the combine's becoming a very important evaluative tool for the NBA draft. No, without question. Are you kidding me? It provides an opportunity for. Every NBA team, all 30 NBA teams, to have and formulate an opinion on a player that they may have little intel on. They might have a written scouting report in their hand, but after they go to the combine, talk to that student, former student athlete or current student athlete. Uh, watch that student athlete with their own eyes in close proximity. See how that student athlete interacts with other student athletes. All of those things are unbelievably valuable if you're an NBA scout, an NBA exec, and an NBA GM. Like if that atmosphere does not occur, then there's no way you're making you're you're making a less educated draft uh, decision on draft day if the combine does not exist. So saying it's meaningless is absolutely short-sighted, and I, I totally disagree with it. And it provides an opportunity for people. You mentioned Akogi. It provides an opportunity for, um, I don't know, who's who else do we, we loved Frazier. Yeah, uh, Melvin uh, Frazier had a very yeah, strong Frazier combine. A, yes, he a did. Great combine. Um, uh, Kevin Hervey shot the, you know, shot the absolute heck out of the ball at the combine. Um, Dante, it, it provides first round? Yeah, your guy. I was saving <laughs> that for you. I, that, that, you were all over that. So Italian it provides point guards. Italian point guards. <laughs> so it provides an opportunity. Maybe it only provides an opportunity for like a handful of of players. A handful being like six or seven for them to just blow up and do their thing yep. and to change people's minds. And maybe for the other, you know, 
the other, I don't know, how about 50 other players there? It just reinforces what you already knew from watching that player play in pressure situations in conference, trying to win a conference title, trying to win a tight game, trying to win a game that's going to qualify them for the NCAA tournament, trying to win a, a, a conference tournament game to better their seed in the NCAA playoffs, um, uh, the NCAA tournament, to, to win a, a game to get to the, to the Final Four, to win a game to get to the Sweet 16. Like, you already have... All of this valuable information from the 30-ish, 35-ish game season that you scouted already. And now when you get to see that student athlete in a different environment, it just it just reinforces the scout that you already had. So it doesn't necessarily change the mind on those other 50-ish players. But for that handful of players that we mentioned, it's a really, really meaningful and really, really impactful uh, two days that can be literally life-changing. Opportunity knocks. Totally agree. Gus, let's get to it. Gut instinct right now. I recognize this can change. Where do you think Phoenix is leaning right now? Man, that's a great question. Um, Obviously, with their coaching hire, I think uh, past success, you have to think of Doncic. I don't don't know if, you know, there's, there's, there's rumors of him saying like, oh, maybe I'll just stay. Oh yeah, I saw that. I put that on our Twitter account. Yeah, I, I think I think Doncic wants to be number one, and he also yeah. wants to play for. I've been working on this, Igor Kokoskov. Okay, Kokoskov, very right. good. I, nice. I I think he wants to play for his old coach. I think he's basically saying, "You're not sending me to Siberia, which is otherwise known as Sacramento or Atlanta." Now, I don't think that, but I think that Mr. Doncic wants to be in a major market, is what I'm saying, and I think he'll go to Phoenix if he knows the coach. But I think outside of that, he's thinking, "I want to go to Boston. I want to go to L.A. I want to go to New York." I just think that's what he's thinking, which is a shame because I think Doncic on the Hawks or Doncic on the Kings could really make a huge impact. But I, I think that, I think that's bluster. I, I think it is too. I think it's, a, I think, yeah, I think it's unnecessary static. And I think it's just adding some drama to kind of a situation that's already been predetermined. How about that? So I think if they're going to lean one way, I think they would lean that way, even though their roster screams for an impactful big, like uh, Aiton, yep. I, 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 that makes perfect sense. Which one, <sighs> partner, which one do you buy? Great, great question. We, give, could, we, we could talk about this a long time. Go, go ahead. I'll give you two arguments and then we'll move yeah. on. I, which one right now are you siding with? Hmm. Option number one, they have Igor Kokoskov, okay? And he Very used good. to coach Doncic over Slovenia. So, of course, they're going to take Doncic, okay? Right. Here's the second one. Kokoskov was their third choice as coach. So they're not going to hire their third choice as coach and just give him his guy because then they would have he would have been the number one coach. So he wasn't their number one option to be the coach next year. So his power is a little reduced. Which argument you buy there? Uh, I'm going to go with the latter. Okay. Yeah. Probably. I, I, I think that makes sense. I think he'll have influence. I think he'll have input. Obviously, he'll have the best scouting report of anybody of any of the 30 teams from working closely in practices, in real game situations, in championship game situations uh, in the EuroLeague with him. So I think they'll have the best scout and then they'll make the decision off the best scout that they have uh, off of Doncic. I think that makes sense. And I, I think right now, as I said, and uh, folks, what we're doing, again, if you're a patron and feel free to, to, to look, go to patreon.com. If you become, you can do a $1, $3, $6, do a $6 patron. We send you a private personal podcast, extra one that's not a regular one that everybody can hear every week. I did a vlog last week. I talked about this in depth. Gus is going to come this week with a vlog as well or or an audio recording, one or the other. 
Uh-huh. I did talk about this. I think right now they're leaning toward Doncic. I think he's very mm-hmm. Ben Simmons-like from the limited amount I've seen. He's a big guy. He's still young, 19 years old. He's been dominating. Can he, can, ha- he can handle he, he can, can handle better than Simmons, though. He can. He can absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that they are going to go that direction. So if the draft was tomorrow night, and we're going to have our predictions out on the site as well, I would put Doncic there. But, of course, I want to hear the, the chatter and see what happens. Yeah, I, I think that – and, and this is, I think this is where the conversation might – Meld and you pay attention to the trends that are occurring in the NBA currently, and you take a look at the Celtics and you look at Brown and Tatum and Smart, and uh, you know, they're wing ish, high effort, kind of do everything wings. You look at Golden State again, Golden State was a little bit ahead of the curve here as far as getting Iguodala, getting Sean Livingston, getting uh, drafting Clay Thompson. Um, obviously bring Durant in, but that's, he, he's a freak of nature. That, that's a different, a whole different argument. Um, but having those do everything wings that can guard multiple positions, handle the ball, shoot it a little bit. And, and Dodge falls right into that profile yep. with those wings that can handle, that can shoot. I mean, defensively, uh, question mark, maybe there. Speaking, but, of, speaking of which, Gus, the Warriors uh, lose to the Rockets, 95-92. It is tied up at 2-2. Maybe they should uh, draft DeAndre Ayton. Maybe they need a center. Huh? No? Wow, they took home court. They took it right back. Chris Paul and James Harden, fantastic nights. Sorry. Go ahead. Continue. I apologize. Holy cow. That, that's a big win. Yep. That, I, would, I mean, you asked me six hours ago. I said, oh, this is a, this is a Golden State win. They're, they're going to lock this up. Uh, wow, that's a really surprising great win by them. I guess Andre Iguodala is a big difference. I think he is. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, even more so in the Dodger category. Yeah, okay. exactly. Very good. Very true, yes. I, I think if we're paying attention to the trends in the NBA, I think they would, I, yeah, I think they might go with the person they have the best scout on. Yeah. Aiden or Bagley. Now, remember, coming into mm. the year and most of the year, I probably, I'll speak for myself, you can give your opinion, would have said Bagley. Um, Mm. And for some reason, despite the fact that Arizona was knocked out early in the tournament, despite the FBI fog. By the way, I support your logic here. I totally do. And despite the fact that the ball basically rolled out at the very last second of the rim, I think DeAndre Ayton has shot past Marvin Bagley. Gus, why? (laughs) Can you explain why? Like, because if they go to the final four, I think everybody's saying Bagley. And it's not like Aiden dominated. I mean, he had a really good year, really, really good year. Ended the oh, year dominated, yeah. but not in the, you know, the tournament. They got knocked out. He played okay. But isn't it odd to you that all of a sudden Marvin Bagley is not even really being considered for the first pick for, by most social media sites? It, it is interesting. I think it speaks to this thing that this clutch that us listeners, uh, viewers, can't get away from and they're still like holding on hope for this you know, the old school nba the patrick ewing the david robinson yeah, yep. the the um the akeem olajuwon give me that like absolute all-star 10-year 25 point a game big man and we're going to be competitive for those 10 years are we going to win a title cross your fingers you better have a Robin to go with that big. Otherwise, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be out of luck. But you will be ultra competitive in the NBA with that impactful big. And again, if we pay attention to the trends here, take a look at all the centers that are in the NBA, like, sure. Final Four. Absolutely. I mean, if we look at you, you know, Houston, you got Clint Capella, who was a project. Uh, Golden State, they play Durant at the five all the time. Um, Boston uh, has Horford, who's really special. Uh, but can shoot the three, handle a pass, great in pick and rolls. 
and if you look at Cleveland, like there's times when they play LeBron at the five. Yes. Or Kyle Korver at the five. I mean, yeah. Tristan Thompson's there. Kevin Love's there at the five. But they're, th- these traditional, like, 25-point, 10-board bigs that are just post-monsters are a thing of the past. Is Aiton something beyond that? That's to be determined. The, the skills, the skill set does speak to that he could be more than that. He could extend his range on his jump shot. He he, he has a little trouble with the handle. Is he a good passer? We're not sure of that yet. Is he totally engaged on the defensive end all the time? I don't know. But I, I think there's still this romantic feeling, just to go back to like our, our talk of like the uh, expansion of the tournament, of that great big because he was such a entrenched factor in our NBA upbringing. So that's why I think where I'm at with Aiden. And yeah. I think that's why he's a discussion for the number one pick. And listen, that pendulum is going to swing back the other way eventually. Eventually the bigs will make a comeback. We'll see a big man renaissance. It'll happen. Yeah. The question is, do they want to win right away or not? And I heard Bill say his podcast is very funny. I guess the Celtics get Sacramento's pick uh, unless it's like really, you know, really bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think he's hoping for Aiden to go to Sacramento. So uh, they can continue to be because he's a project right now he's going to take a couple of years you know in order to be super super dominant you know he may be pretty good right away i love i love these projections <laughs> that they just want he just wants them to stink next right, year right. so their pick comes in a self, he goes, self degree donchers go there and that's that's a 12 game swing you know so we're not getting you know <laughs> that's what his project is which was very funny i, I agree with i agree with what you said right listen right now you don't need a big like you said look at the fives who the uh, five men who are left in the final four of the uh, the nba but I think it's going the other direction. I think these guys are going to be special, but I do think that they are our projects. Also, equally as surprising to me, Gus, that came out of the combine, mm. is are we really now going to be somewhat down or a little more, you know, maybe nervous about Trey Young because he measured six foot two, one hundred seventy eight pounds, only with a six foot three wingspan? Really? So we're now concerned about the player that single-handedly dominated the Big 12 on a below-average Big 12 team. Yeah. Got a little tired at the end of the year, I guess. But it, it, come on, Gus, uh, Trey Young's going to be a star, no? Uh, yeah. <laughs> come on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you joking me that there's going to be some, and, and, and again, we're one of these nerds, so I use this term lovingly. Are you kidding me that there's going to be a measurable nerd in an NBA office that says, no, no, he doesn't fit our construct. He doesn't fit our team profile. What are you like? Are, have Do you watch basketball? Uh, come on. Like, I, I'm totally with you on this. Throw the measurables out the window with Trey Young. The dude is unbelievably shifty. He can shoot it from wherever yes, you want him to yes, launch it from. Yes, yes. He has a great handle. His ball, uh, his ball responsibilities at Oklahoma were over the moon. The fact that his turnover number was sky high is because it was designed that way. Yep, he was designed to have the ball of in his course, hands that much. Of course. So if you give that much responsibility to your freshman point guard. And say, okay, kid, we're going to ride with you. Guess what? That ride's going to get a little bumpy sometimes. And it did for Trey Young. But I think what he showed this year at an All-American level, you know, borderline player of the year type level, um, you know, until Jalen Brunson's, uh, you know, absolutely cemented that award later on the season with his very steady play. This kid is going to be amazing. I I, I think that he's going to do something special. Will he... 
take a little while to find his way like it did for Steph Curry, like it did for a couple of other guards. Yeah, sure, it will. It always does, for the, especially for the ball handlers, especially for the point guard. But here's what I'm going to tell you. If you have a ball handler that can shoot it as well as he can, there is going to be space on the floor for him. The, the, I think the problem that you run into sometimes in the NBA is when you get these like athletic, really gifted point guards – that can't shoot at a lick. Then they're limited on what they can do offensively. Trey Young, what he can do offensively, I I think it's kind of limitless. And I think the only limiter on his game is what we talked about before, the measurables, which I said throw out. But like he there's not a skill that he can't handle offensively. So I think I'm not really worried about him. I'm more intrigued to see how his game translates to the NBA, to the NBA floor. Gus, people are idiots. Trey it's Young. Crazy. Trey Young, we talked about 6'2", 180. Stephen yeah. Curry, 6'3", 185. Right. Stephen Curry, first-year freshman Davidson, 21 points per game, 4.6 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 40% from three-point range. Got it? Mm. Trey Young, in the Big 12 conference, if you heard that, it's probably a little bit better Okay, than, than the SoCo, okay? 27.4 points. Four rebounds, 8.7 assists, 36% from three-point range. Again, at some point this season, the dude was leading the nation in, in, in scoring and assists. I, I'm calling it right now. I know there's a lot of rumblings out of Dallas that they're they're soured on Nerland's Noel and that Carlisle wants a, a pick-and-roll big with Dennis Smith. Okay, So there's a lot of talk that they may go big here like a Mo Bamba. Okay, yeah, Dallas, Wendell, Texas. Wendell yeah. Okay, yeah, Wendell yeah. Carter. I think they're going to acquire big in free agency and take Trey Young. I don't think there's a chance in heck that a businessman like Mark Cuban lets that Dennis Smith, Trey Young backcourt go by the boards. I'm calling it right now. I, I, that'd be really interesting. Now, listen, if Bagley drops or something like that, something crazy happens, I don't know. Yeah. But I'm telling you right now, I would be shocked. They're saying Trey Young to the Knicks. Folks, Trey Young's not going to the Knicks. He's not lasting that far. Come on. Let, I, don't, let, let, I don't think he's going to last till nine either. Oh, give me a break. Uh, yeah, Dante, I, I, to, how about this? How about this? I don't think it's crazy for him to be taken about uh, to talk about him taking him at, at, at three or four. Totally agree. Atlanta I don't think that's him. crazy. Totally agree with you. Hundred percent. I, I think if you, I, yeah, again, his skill set and what he brings to the table is is unique. And sometimes when you're drafting and you're trying to parse through all this information as an NBA exec or, you know, as a fan like we are or like you guys are listening, you're trying to like say, okay, why, what makes this draft prospect better than this draft prospect? Like Trey Young has a very definable thing that makes him better. He can shoot the ball like nobody's business. Totally agree. If you can shoot it, you always have a spot, which is why Kevin Herter, by the way, going off script here, Gus, Kevin Herter had a tremendous combine. And I always like Kevin Herter. He's very Uh athletic. He's not a weeble. Okay, so he's moving up on people's radar as well. You liked Herter and Jackson forever, right? I, I did. Yeah, I did. And I, I listen, if you have I like a, both if, that, I don't like guards that can't shoot. Okay. I'm cooling on that Zaire. Guy, that, guy, that guy can shoot. Right. And he, he shoot it. JJ Reddick's made a career out of it. And I heard it may not be JJ Reddick, but I, I just, if you can shoot it, you have a spot. I'm cooling a little bit on Zaire Smith only because I, I'm a little mm-hmm. concerned. He is small. I mean, six, that, that measurables did not, did six, not do him two. I mean, you got to be able to kind of handle a little bit. Right? I mean, he's measured Gus the same height as Trey Young, I, that's, which that's is, again, phenomenal athlete. Don't get me wrong. Phenomenal. But I was with you. I thought he was going a little earlier. I'm not so sure if I take a guard that really can't shoot consistently, nor has a great handle in the top 15. I, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? Agreed. 
I thought that he was more of a six five. Yes, totally agree. Hundred percent agree. Yes, but if he's six two and change, yeah, how can you possibly justify picking him and Trey Young being only a couple of draft picks apart? I don't think that's justifiable. No. Dante DiVincenzo, Gus. Uh, Dante <laughs> DiVincenzo. Floor, listen, the floor is yours on this one. I, like, I just totally nailed it. I, we got a good friend who's a huge Villanova fan. By the way, he's like yeah. all upset because he's like, well, we may not win the title next year. Oh, I'm sorry. Spoiled brat. I mean, can't you know, two titles in three years. <laughs> Boston College, I'd love to see if he was sniffing a, a sweet 16. Uh, this guy wants another title. I, I, I just, I think he's gone. I think he's a first round pick. I think he's, I've been saying it for months now. I think he's a top 20 pick. I he is big. He is strong. He can rebound the ball. He's a lights-out shooter. Jalen Brunson was a better college player than him. Dante DiVincenzo will be a much better pro. He should go. I would be flabbergasted, Gus, after he dominated this combine if he comes back. I'd be shocked. I'm 100% with you. I just want to give you kudos. Partner, you nailed this one big time because you called this a while ago, and you, you started making comparisons to him that I was like, what? Are you crazy? It's Clay and Thompson. Like, it's Clay Thompson. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and I'm I, like, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense, though. Yeah, <laughs> he. You know what he falls into? He falls into the one of that. The he falls into the handful of players that the combine does, definitely makes a difference. Yep, that's it. And he, listen, he falls into that handful. And Gus, you know what's amazing? He has seven points in the final. First of all, Michigan may win because Beeline couldn't solve everything except for Dante Divincenzo. Secondly, right. I don't think he's even going to the combine. Imagine that. If he doesn't have thirty-one points, Gus. You know, he's probably saying, "Oh, I'll come back and be the starting point guard on Villanova." Right? Like, no, no, no. You know what he's doing? He's he's putting his name in, but and and declaring. But yeah, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna invite. I think he's going. I he. You're right. If he if he has seven Spel- points. Spellman got the invite because of his measurables. Yes. And he shoot it because he's six nine or six ten. Yes. I, are you I, gonna invite? Are you gonna invite the random six four guy? Right. I, I. And if he if he puts his name in and checks it out, even if he tests really well, I think he uses the test to come back. And be like a potential All American candidate. I can't believe I'm saying that. Dante DiVincenzo. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, great call by you. A uh, couple other ones, real quick. Chandler Hutchinson, I'm hearing Gus. He worked out for the T Wolves at 20, who pick at 20. He worked out for the Bulls at 22. After those two workouts, he pulls out of the combine. And now we're hearing that the Bulls have promised to take him at 22. Which is odd, right? Because why wouldn't somebody in front of them take him, right? <laughs> why would here, you? Make- here, 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 personally, this is just absolutely so selfish. I hope the Bucks take him. Oh yeah, I think it'd be great with the Bucks. Oh, my I think goodness. I hope the Bucks take yes. him. I really, really do. Yes. Oh my goodness. I. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, and and if you're him and you get that information. I would do the same thing. Some guy on the uh, YouTube responded to our video, wrote Spurs. Imagine what Papa do with this guy. I guess so. No Kawhi Leonard, right? Now he's not the defensive stopper that Kawhi is, but you never know. He could be, he could turn into something. But it looks like Hutch is going in your mock draft at the latest at 22. Yeah. He's a, he's a top 20 pick for sure. Threw this out before. This year's Donovan Mitchell partner, Josh Okoji, Josh Okoji uh, Melvin Frazier. Either one of those guys, maybe? Uh, possibly. I think both of those guys will go a little bit lower. I think those guys are in the 20s. Maybe if things don't go according uh, perfectly right, maybe they get picked in the first or second pick in the second round. And so I think if we're looking for the Donovan Mitchell guy, I think we're looking right at the end of the lottery, like right where the, I guess where the Hornets would pick, because they're, the Hornets are always in like no man's land in sure. this situation. Sure. Yep. They're, they're like just good enough to be competitive, yep. but not good enough to get so like true. a good lottery pick. It's, yep. I think somebody in that category so if we're putting somebody in that category, I, I guess maybe Sexton falls to close to there. Maybe. Uh, 
But yeah, I think if we're going to go with the surprise guy, who's going to like be like, oh, wow, that guy's a lot better than we thought. I'll just fully admit I was 100% wrong on Mitchell. Oh, me too. Way off. Oh, way off. Holy I God. thought he was going to be very average yep. and yep. be a rotational player, and he has done nothing but be the Dominant. opposite of that. He's a, he's a star waiting to happen. He's a star? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately for us, partner, Shake Milton, bad combine. Uh, it, doesn't really, oh, it doesn't affect our thoughts, I don't think, but he may no. drop a little bit. Here's what I, I think this goes back to the earlier part of our conversation. Scouts do have a whole season of him and, you know, a whole two seasons of him doing amazing things. I don't think a pickup game with uh, people you don't know for two days is going to really sway their decision greatly. Maybe a pick or two, but I don't think 15 picks. Maybe maybe a slot or two. There's still teams that are going to be in love with Shake and what he can do. Yeah, it's a shame. It, 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 he didn't come out you know, from those games that well. He did the uh, bizarro Javon Carter, who basically court and dominated on defense. He's just, how do we not root for Javon how, Carter? How about right? this? How about this? Javon Carter is getting drafted somewhere. Oh, it's around yeah. second round. If for no other reason, he's going to totally change your vibe in practice. You mean Bruce Bowen? Uh, so, well done. Well done. And, and the last one is Kevin Hervey tested really well, measured very well. You know, Scott Cross got fired. We were very upset about that. Oh. I definitely think because it was a new AD, I think, and he wanted his own guy. Bad, bad, and maybe bad, he feels with Kevin. Yeah, maybe he thinks, I agree, with with Hervey and Neil that they should have made the tournament. But Hervey's a guy who was high on our radar beginning of the year, but maybe now is coming back on the radar, right, for the draft. I think he. I think if you're um, a team in the second round and um, – you know, just revisiting our conversation from earlier about like, you know, the trends in the NBA now, you're looking for wings that can shoot it and do a little bit of everything. The dude can definitely shoot it. There's no there's no questioning about that. I think the yeah. biggest thing with Hervey, I think if his medicals come back decent because he's had a, uh, he's had two major knee injuries, if those things come back decent, I think he definitely gets drafted in the second round. And I think a team will find a spot for him as like a spot up shooter and one of those wing players that are really valuable in, the, in today's NBA. Totally agree. And there you go. There's a little wrap up there. So we did a little combine. We did, of course, the uh, Sermon on the Mount down the ACC coaches. And uh, partner, we're rolling along here, right? We're going to have more info. We're, we're less than a month away from the draft. Yeah, totally looking forward to the build up to the draft. Uh, so listeners, you know, of course, please continue listening to the podcast. Mike and I will be coming at you at least once a week, if not more, if we can kind of piece together uh, an- another uh, group podcast. We'd love to do that and of course like mike mentioned if you um are a patreon then we'll get you another little uh, talking point along the week as well which will be really cool i'm looking i'm working on draft for that you know currently as we speak we'll definitely be putting out a couple of more of the draft profile videos the best part of this for me and the most enjoyable part of this for me like mike mentioned earlier is kind of pulling together the comps like i like to get a uh, you know a recent oh they're so good and then oh, you, you know God, because so you know we're, we're lifting the curtain a little bit here because Mike and I are maybe not as young as you think, there is a Rolodex of NBA information laying around in my brain. that I can't... And today I'm a year older. <laughs> Sir, happy birthday to Mike yes. Randall. Yes. We won't reveal the number that goes along with that celebration, but whatever you're doing the rest of the week, whatever you're doing this weekend, uh, whatever family or friends you're spending time with during the Memorial Day weekend, do us a favor, celebrate it. Because life is about celebrations. And uh, Mike Randall, happy birthday. I hope you're celebrating in your own small way. And uh, and we can do it in person uh, later on this week or next week. And, uh, you know, do it, do, it, do it a proper celebration. So listeners out there, please enjoy the time with your friends and family in place 
places and people that you decide to spend time with this Memorial Day weekend and uh, celebrate properly. Yep. And I came home. I got my Spider-Man pajamas on now. So that's a big celebration. Came home, had confetti thrown in my face by my family. Happy birthday. And then had those blow up things in your mouth hit me in the face pelted repeatedly. I mean, what else would you want to do? Can we we expand on the blow up things? You know, those little favors you blow. Uh, Oh, okay. It's a horn noise. It rolls out. Socks that unravel. Yeah. My son just gets exactly. Thank you. Yes. I got pelted with that. We had some chocolate cake, of course. And, uh, Got some great gifts, book on podcasting, good stuff, Gus. Yes, very excited. How was the cake? Oh, yeah, we had chocolate and vanilla. So, of course, my wife, knowing me, goes, both. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> so, yes, yes, please. Both. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, both. were there candles involved? Yeah, candles okay. blew it out. The whole thing was fun. Perfect. And I just asked, she's, you know, they gave me gifts. I go, you know what I want is a gift, guys? Just don't fight tonight, okay? You two, can we not <laughs> fight for one night? Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, all like Thanks. Question. Thank you. Thank you, partner. Oh, of course. Uh, happy birthday, bro. Love you. Uh, listeners, uh, love you guys too. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast and giving us part of your week and letting us, uh, you know, take you to, through the basketball offseason and, and help us help you guys find the road and the path to the NBA draft in June. Uh, and we just want to say thank you for tuning in. And if you like what you're listening to, please don't forget to give the podcast a follow on Twitter at SDS Podcast, Efficiency of Keystrokes, of course. Uh, please give Mike a follow. You can wish him happy birthday if you want on Twitter uh, at Randall Rant. He's insightful, educational, and entertaining. And if you really like what you're listening to, don't be afraid during the off season. Hit up uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever element or vehicle that you're listening to the podcast on. And give us a nice review. We'd really appreciate that. That'd be really kind. Don't forget to hit. Don't forget to hit up the YouTube channel and uh, you know get your NBA fix or maybe just revisit one of the players that you really enjoyed watching this past season during the college basketball season. So, uh, listeners out there, salancha, gratulatia, cheers. Yeah, I got some tweets out there. Did a little uh, Lenny Cook uh, conversation. Remember, I told you I had that, and I walked in and back in that ABCD camp, and I said. Hey, uh, he's like, oh, coach, you're coming to see uh, this whole thing. Uh, they got this kid who thinks he's better than me. I go, what's his name? He goes, LeBron James. Like, I never heard of him. Uh, well, that changed. <laughs> I, I remember that conversation when we talked to like the next day. And um, I, I also said, oh, who's that again? <laughs> right. Who's that again? Right. Yeah, and right. and then, you know, then we were talking with Lenny and uh, yeah, then then LeBron happened. Yeah. Yeah. Le- Le- LeBron happened. That's great. You know, it's also it's a great. And here I hear the music come in. Gus, what else happened is uh, you realize that uh, Chandler Hutchinson has almost 3,000 views. We're doing something right. Woo! Broncos! I'm